Good morning. Tina talked to the children this morning about imagination. Imagination is a vital part of the life of faith. Adults are often a little bit more comfortable talking about the word vision. Vision in our world is what allows things to happen. It has great potential to change the world. And people who have vision, people like Mother Teresa or Steve Jobs, are able to look at things the way that they are and imagine a different way that they might be. Faithful living is built on this ability to see potential in how things could be. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Bruce Springsteen has been an icon of American rock and roll music for decades, and it is largely because Springsteen knows how to tell a story. He is incredibly talented at grabbing in just a few words some small part of the American experience to which people can hold on and and see their own lives playing out as they listen to one of the songs. Springsteen wrote songs about young men and women who were born to run a runaway American dream, who when they grew up would talk to one another about their glory days that pass you by like a wink in a young girl's eye. In My Hometown, he tells the story of the rise and fall of small American cities and average working class families. He describes the hope and persistence that drives regular, flawed, faithful people in great ballads like Land of Hope and Dreams. Being a great storyteller is a gift. And in order to tell great stories, you have to have heard a few great stories, and they have to have become a part of you. Growing up in small-town New Jersey, Springsteen was part of his own broken working-class family in a Roman Catholic parish. And it was there that he heard the stories of the Bible, and they became a part of him. And in his memoir, Springsteen, the Great Storyteller, has this to say about church. In Catholicism, there existed the poetry danger and darkness that reflected my imagination and my inner self. I found a a land of great and harsh beauty, of fantastic stories of unimaginable punishment and infinite reward. It was a glorious and pathetic place I was either shaped for or fit right into. It has walked alongside me as a waking dream my whole life. Mission projects and committee meetings and church picnics are all things that matter a great amount to our life together as a community 
And yet in the midst of them, we sometimes forget that the grounding of our faith is in stories. Stories that are as big as human experience gets. They are stories of life and death, hope and fear, heartbreak and salvation. Stories, as Springsteen said, of great and harsh beauty. Fantastic stories of unimaginable punishment and infinite reward. Some of those stories occupy entire books of the Bible. Others of them only take a few verses to tell. One of those was our gospel reading today. With that introduction, I'd like for you to listen to it again. A king wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all of his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. And his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience on me, I will pay you. But he refused. And then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their lord all that had taken place. And then his lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay the entire debt. Such is the kingdom of God, says Jesus. It's a story of unimaginable punishment and infinite reward. A king calls before him a slave who owes 10,000 talents. So in the Roman Empire, it's important to know one talent, one talent was worth 15 years' worth of daily wages for a laborer. And we're talking about 10,000 of those. So right from the start, we know something about this story. We know that it is based on an amazing exaggeration. There is no way a slave ever could have amassed such a debt in the first place, and there is certainly no way he will ever pay it back. So we know everything about this story is purposefully exaggerated. When the slave drops to his knees and begs for forgiveness, the king does something else here that we are supposed to perceive as extraordinary. The king forgives the entire amount. 
He essentially returns to this man his entire life and the hope for the future that he has for his wife and for his children. And he does all of this even though the slave does not deserve it. This king knows the value of forgiveness. And he gives it with pleasure. So the slave must be far beyond grateful. His very life has been restored, and so it is so much more absurd when the slave himself walks out onto the street, steps out into the street, feet light as air, and sees a fellow slave who owes him a hundred denarii, a realistic and modest amount. And he strangles him, demanding the money. And then when he cannot pay immediately, he has him thrown into prison. Shameful. Shameful. That's what all of the other bystander slaves say as they watch this play out. And they go to the king and they report what has happened. And the king calls the slave before him again. And this time treats him like he treated his fellow slave. This time the king gives him what he deserves. Jesus tells this wildly hyperbolic story to illustrate a point. God has been profoundly generous toward us, giving us our very lives and forgiving us even when we do not deserve it, And God has one expectation, one hope for us in response. Go and treat one another with kindness. When life is good and you think about the good things God has done for you, you should step out into the street feeling lighter than air, aware of God's grace toward you. Don't forget to share that grace with others. Do not underestimate the power of forgiveness. And grant it to others so that you may be a blessing to them. And there's a warning. If you don't, if you do forget the power of forgiveness, you're going to regret it. This story, this wildly hyperbolic story is told in response to a question. A question the Apostle Peter asks about forgiveness. Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how many times should I forgive? As many as seven times? It's a straightforward question and one that many of us have asked. How much should we forgive? Jesus tells the story of the king and the slave in response. Why? Because Peter makes the mistake of taking something as powerful and life-changing as forgiveness, and he asks for a minimum competency. How many times do I need to forgive Jesus? Seven times? Would that be enough? After that, can I tell myself I've done enough and quit? 
problem is that Jesus isn't interested in minimum competencies. He's interested in infinite rewards. So Jesus tells Peter a story. There are some things about this story that require some caution in interpretation. You can't apply it in every circumstance. The story is not, for instance, for wives who are repeatedly beaten by their husbands. When we tell a story in praise of unlimited forgiveness, or any story that is based in exaggeration, we have to be careful who we tell it to. In addition, this story has to be discerned alongside other great stories of the Bible. The prodigal son is an amazing story about a forgiving parent and a wayward son. Many of us know parents whose adult children waste the generosity of their parents. Parents have to ask hard questions about how much forgiveness and what kind of love will help their, parent, their children to grow up. These kinds of situations require multiple stories and prayerful, thoughtful answers. It's also worth noting that this story immediately follows the one that we read last week. In that story, Jesus instructed us to honestly and directly acknowledge when a wrong has been committed. Real forgiveness requires that we speak openly and directly about the wrongdoing that has occurred. Forgiveness does not mean simply ignoring a wrong. Those are all practical concerns, and there's also a practical side to understanding what kind of story this is. This story, this hyperbolic story we've been reading, it's a parable. And in this story, not only the infinite reward, but also the unimaginable punishment is part of a hyperbolic story told to illustrate a point. Do I believe this story is told because God wants to cast unforgiving people into utter darkness? Absolutely not. But I do believe that the hard part of the story is in there for a reason. People who have had trouble forgiving know all about the cost. Rabbi Harold Kushner tells the story, A woman in my congregation comes to see me. She's a single mother, divorced, working to support herself and three young children. She says to me, Since my husband walked out on us, every month is a struggle to pay our bills. I have to tell my kids we have no money to go to the movies while he's living it up with his new wife in another state. How can you tell me to forgive him? I answer her, I'm not asking you to forgive him because what he did was acceptable. It wasn't. It was mean and selfish. I'm asking you to forgive him because he doesn't deserve the power to live in your head and turn you into a bitter and angry woman. 
I'd like to see him out of your life emotionally as completely as he is out of it physically. But you keep on holding on to him. You're not hurting him by holding on to that resentment, but you're hurting yourself. The story of the king and the slave is not about judgment. It isn't about casting people into utter darkness. The woman in the story I just told isn't about to be cast into darkness. But she sure does know a thing or two about what it means to live trapped in a dark place. Forgiveness for her doesn't mean ignoring the fact that a wrong has been committed, but it might mean regaining her very life and freedom. Jesus' reason for telling this unbelievable story is deceptively simple. He knows what it is like for people to be overcome by resentment and malice and anger, and he doesn't want us to live that way. So he tells this story and lots and lots of others about the radical power of forgiveness. Jesus knows that most of the world doesn't work quite like this. His story is not meant to be practical advice in response to Peter's question about minimum competencies. It's meant to solicit in us a desire for something better than what we have, a yearning for a world in which we forget about the minimum competencies of forgiveness and instead strive for something more. We do that when we take seriously the curse of resentment and the poetry of forgiveness. I'm going to give you a moment today to consider if there is someone in your life you need to forgive. Perhaps that will require a conversation that has not yet taken place. Or perhaps the wrong has been done and you need to acknowledge that this is a person who doesn't deserve the power to live in your head and turn you into a bitter and angry person. Take this opportunity to consider if there is someone you need to forgive. Let's hold silence together.